0: Right, we're studying now Jude uh, from verse 12. And Jude is speaking about apostates and false teachers. He says from verse 12 there, These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame wandering stars for whom is reserved the black blackness of darkness forever now in the um, early church it was the normal practice for the people to come together in fact one of the primary reasons they came together was to break bread this was um, eating the, uh, at the lord's table was referred to is what we call today we call the communion To um, share the bread and drink the wine, as our Lord said, we are to do this in remembrance of Him. You know, remember the body that was given for us, the blood that was shed and that, that has cleansed us, by eating of the breaking bread and drinking the wine in celebration of the life, the death and the resurrection of our Christ and so it was the normal practice then the church came together then to break bread but then they also shared a common meal so they had these uh, love feasts of course that um that practice uh sort of um it was stopped after a while i think because of the impropriety that people practiced during these things if you, it's somewhere in um, i think it's 2 uh, corinthians paul talks to the church about it you know he reprimanded the corinthian church for what they did uh, in how they dishonored this the the lord's table and uh, i think after a while the practice just sort of they they let it go but nevertheless that was the practice then and he's saying here that there's false teachers who and false preachers false prophets whatever you want to call them apostates who had come into the church pretending to be servants of god pretty much as we have them today in fact we have even more so today because at the time it must have seemed like a lead to a, a, a size of a fist of a cloud rising then But today, it's an absolute storm. The problem is an absolute thunderstorm now that we have of false ministers in the Church of Christ. Well, it's not really the Church of Christ, but that's the way the world sees it. Because the world um, identifies anything and everything that calls itself a church with Christ Jesus. But... We know, believers know that is not the case. It isn't everywhere the name of the Lord is called or or branded that the Lord is present. The Lord knows his own. But unfortunately, you see... It has to be that way because that is exactly the purpose of Satan. He is waging war against the Church of Christ, and as such, he has to fight from the inside. So he is doing all those things. He's done it from the start. He's doing it now to bring the way of truth into disrepute, and that's exactly what he's doing. And with his um, servants in the church on pulpits, setting up the mega churches and everything like that, they're not all very large. They're small ones as well. You know, they come in various sizes. Quite honestly, you know, appealing to different kinds of crowds all over every continent in the world. We have false ministries and their purpose is to, for a start, to destabilize the people's walk, see that the people do not find Christ who are hoping to escape the madness of this world. The very idea is to stand in their way because they preach a false salvation, the preach a false message, they, they draw the people onto themselves as we read last week in um, in, in Acts of the Apostles, when Paul was saying to the Ephesian elders that he knew that after his departure, savage wolves would come in the midst, not sparing the flock. He said, even amongst your own numbers, many will rise to oppose the message of Christ just to gather followers unto themselves. And this is exactly where we are now. The problem is is become an epidemic now. It's a major, major thing. But it is a very sad state of affairs that many Christians and many ministers, especially who say they serve Christ, turn a blind eye to this problem. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to criticize. Oh, they don't want to be fault finders. They don't want to judge. But we are called to righteous judgment. Because if we leave people to be deceived in that sort of way, and we leave people to be misled and being drawn away by all kinds of winds of deceptive teaching the people will end up in hell and you know what when God sent um, Ezekiel prophet Ezekiel to the people of Israel in those days God said to him listen if I tell you to go if uh, to go and speak to uh, a sinner about his sins and you do not tell him you do not deliver my message to him that sinner will perish for his sins and I will hold you accountable for his blood Nevertheless, but uh, he said, but however, if I send it to a sinner and he does not, and he, um, he does not repent, though you've given him my message, he will perish for his sins, but you are free of his blood. So you see, that is exactly where I stand. And that's supposed to be the way it is for us. We are meant to deliver the message, but no one. People want to be, you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to rock the boat. You you want people to like you. You want people to love you. You know, you don't want to be seen as critical. Exactly whose side are you on? And whose affections are you after? I'm not after the affections of the world. I have to deliver the message. If I truly love what God loves and I detest what God detests, then I will speak the message of God without qualms. And as believers, that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in such a relationship with the Lord that everything God hates, we hate. Everything God loves, we love. Now, God loves His creation. That's why He gave His only Son to come and be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus loves the creation of God the Father. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. We are... God's gift to Christ, his son. And he loves us because we were a gift from his father to him. And he came and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so if we do love the creation, the works of the hands of God that we are, as God loves us, and we love the creation as Christ loves us, on onward the wretches we all were, when he chose to come and give himself in our stead, there was nothing in us worth saving. I mean, of what good are we to him even now? Of what good are we to him even now? He doesn't need us to proclaim his glory. That is what we do as an act of thanksgiving. Because you know what? Remember Jesus himself said that if we will not praise, he can raise stones to praise him. So it's not as if he needed some people, or he's desperate for people to praise him as such. He needs us more than we need him. No, he doesn't. So if you love the the, works of the hands of God, and you love fellow humans, as Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, you will be concerned for people who have been misled. You will be concerned by people who are under the illusion of certain salvation when they are not truly saved. You will be concerned. And so we will not keep quiet. And Jude did not keep quiet. Neither did Peter, neither did Paul, neither did John the Apostle. None of them kept quiet about this because it was very important to them. Jesus paid too high a price for the salvation of men and for us to see as many as are perishing today perish without doing anything about it. We'll do our bit, whether people like it or not is a different story, but my obligation is to shout it out. Watch out for the hidden reefs, for the spots and blemishes which is what Jude said. He said, "They sit and the feast with thee without fear, without fear, without the fear of God. These people do not have the fear of God in them. They don't. Their hearts are so hardened towards evil that they've even forgotten that they are false ministers in our midst. The way they carry themselves with every, every pride and arrogance and boastfulness." We see them every minute. Turn on the TV screen to some Christian channel. You see them all over the place, all over in your face. Proclaiming how great they are. How great their power. How mighty their anointing. It's all a lie. For a start, any servant of God who boasts in what their power is and what their skills and abilities and gifts are is no servant of Christ. Because we have nothing to boast about. Whatever it is we have got, we were given. So we cannot boast as though we were not given it. I did not develop myself to be a fantastic preacher or anything like that because I'm not. Whatever God puts in my mouth I speak and so I cannot claim any credit because outside of the Lord calling me and asking me to go and preach his word I knew nothing of the Lord and I had no Oratory abilities, or anything like that. I have no cleverness or intelligence to boast about, because I'm so unfortunately, cleverness and intelligence do not discover the will of God. So, whatever wisdom I may think I have today is a gift from God. So I cannot be shouting about and boasting and strutting about in pride and arrogance as though it were a skill I developed of my own accord. No. But this is the first. This is the first thing you notice when you see a false minister: the pride in which they carry themselves, the arrogance. But this is what Jude is saying. Peter echoes the same thing in Second Peter. There are spots in your love feast. Spots, you know what? They are a stain. They are blemish on the garment of the church, which is meant to be pure white, pure. But these people are stains and blemishes. They are like hidden reefs, hidden rocks, underneath the sea. And the boat is sailing. The boat of the Church of Christ is meant to be smooth sailing. But these people are hidden rocks underneath the water. And all they're going to do is crush the ship. If they are not detected. Hidden reefs. Hidden rocks. That's exactly their purpose. So whereas the Church of Christ is meant to be pure, unadulterated, smooth sailing to the glory of God. Glorifying Christ alone as Lord, bringing people to repentance and in that ever so vital relationship with the Lord. These people bring in all their false teachings and they pretend they are the sheep. But all they are doing, they are underneath, beneath their surface. What you see of them is their evil plan and evil plot and all they are going to do is wreck that sheep. They're only there to wreak havoc. And that's why they have all these ridiculous messages that are not the messages of Christ. Messages that do nothing to bring people into re- to, to repentance, bring nothing to bring people into submissive living, bring nothing to bring people into humility. Now, they're not, the, the, these ministers are not only the proud ones. When you see members of their ministries as well, they're just as full of arrogance because they they, they well, they train them in the same way. They tell them to stand up tall and hold your head up high and claim it. I'm a child of the kingdom and this and Satan, you know, I throw you away and I kick you in the teeth and there's nothing you can do and I'm a child of God and I'm a royal priesthood and as such, I've got everything. I I, I claim everything. I must be wealthy, healthy and wise and prosperous. That is not the life of a Christian. That is not the life or attitude of a Christian. And that is not even the reasonings of a Christian. Go back and read the Beatitudes. see what a Christian, the profile of a Christian there. In the Beatitudes, the profile of a Christian, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, all those things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They are the ones who are blessed, not the arrogant. There's nothing about boasting about it. We've got nothing to boast about. The only boast we are permitted. Is that where God says that him will boast, boast that he knows me. And I'm not saying, no, I know the Father because and I know God is not a poor God. That's not the kind of foolish knowledge we're talking about here. I know God is not a poor God and so I reject poverty and I reject sickness. No, that's not the boasting we're talking about. God said, let him who boasts, boast that he knows me. That I'm the God who executes judgment on the earth. Who shows mercy and compassion. Yes. That judgment element is most important because Christians don't like to see the other side of God. They don't like to believe it. They'd rather just believe God is there to bless them and to, to to encourage all their lustful desires and so they can just command God around and all that nonsense. You know, they forget, they deliberately forget that God is a God of justice who will punish everyone and will judge everyone who walks in disobedience. They forget. Deliberately forget. Because it's written all over scripture. But no. We say we've passed from life to death. And so what? What does the Bible then say to us that judgment is going to begin in the house of God? Because many are there under false illusions. We are not called to disobedience. We are called to a life of total obedience to God. So you come to God and you come to Christ and you say you're saved and you have yourself baptized. And then you come into church and you say because it's by grace, you don't have to do any works and you carry on living the way you do, which is unfortunately what we see all over the place now. Christians with dark secrets, secret lives that are disgusting and deplorable and totally even disgusting to the non-believers. I said it before that, you know, today we see a lot of Christians who do things that are morally bankrupt, live lives that are so, so morally bankrupt, even the unbelievers find them disgusting. So that you save by grace. And in fact, how many people are truly saved? You save by your own definition, <laughs> by your own design. People paint a lot of uh, the, the portraits of the Christ they prefer. A Christ they prefer. A Christ who is there to serve man. Is there to fulfill all their lustful desires. The thing Christianity is a social club where you just come. And you know, you say that to you, you your false minister teaches you certain nice slogans to reassure yourselves with and then you come and it's a club of uh, people certain kind of elites in society where you come together and you just um, you, you name your blessing and claim your prosperity that's what it's all about because you're christian you're meant to be prosperous and all that I'm sorry, but that is not the message of the gospel, and that is not the picture of the church of Christ, and that is not the picture of a Christian. As a matter of fact, what we are told is because we belong to Christ in a world that is ruled by Satan, we will suffer. But how many people prepare, how many ministers prepare the people for the tribulation and the trials that they face daily? And the people are not prepared for this. And for that reason, they're so restless. They're running back and forth all over the place trying to find some kind of deliverer. And they find all the deliverances in fellow men like themselves. But the Bible says, cursed is the one who relies on flesh for his strength. Now look, Jude says, these people are serving only themselves. And it's true, because in all their messages... They are the only ones in all the promises they keep making to you of breakthroughs that are coming and miracles that are coming and some wealth that is being transferred from the hands of the unbelievers to the believers. They are the very ones who are transferring your wealth into their hands. <laughs> yes, the wealth is being transferred. We see that all the time from a congregation to the leader. And they're serving themselves because in all those miracles they're promising you and telling you that God has promised and God is doing and God is going to give you. They are the ones whose miracles, their finances continue to grow phenomenally. Their businesses, the private businesses that they set up from the money that comes into them, into their ministry. I don't even want to call it church now, into them, into their ministry. The money that comes in helps to expand their, and fund their private businesses, their private estates. They are increasing in every worldly, uh, attribute you can imagine, they're increasing in every kind of physical and material asset you can imagine, and the flock are still there, still looking, still waiting, still hungry, still anxious. Oh yeah. So they said they there for their own purposes. I mean in the in, in the uh book of Acts, when the church came together then, the first church, the early church, when they came together then the Bible says that all the believers came together, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching, and to prayer. And they said they all brought their resources together, and there were no needy amongst them. Nobody claimed that whatever they had was theirs. They shared among themselves as they had need. There were no needy amongst them. They were one in purpose, the Bible says. They had everything in common. The wealthy amongst them brought their riches, they sold lands. they sold properties and brought the money so that the poor amongst them would have all that they needed. Is that what is going on today in the church? Because now unprecedented amounts of money is coming to the church now worldwide. Just for argument's sake, let's say the church as it is. Let's not separate this from the visible church and the invisible church now. Let's just say the church as a whole. Phenomenal amounts of money now come into the church. But where do this, where does this money go? It's funding the ridiculous lifestyles of the leaders. 90% or higher of these funds is employed to, such, purpose, to such purposes. The poor in the church stay poor. The struggling stay struggling. They do not get distributed. The funds that is put into the church is not being distributed amongst the poor of the church. Forget about little charitable givings that they do just to, um, you know, just to deceive the people. Like, oh, look, look, we're supporting this uh, uh, HIV, AIDS camp somewhere in North Africa. And so, you know, they, they go there, take a little video, give them some pittance of, of amount of money, take a little video and come back and applaud themselves and tell you this is what we're doing. All the churches. So give money, give money because we need to go back there and do some more. Nonsense. The monies they give cannot be compared to the monies they spend on their private businesses on the on their private estates on the homes they live in on the cars they they drive, not to talk about the jets, but this is what's going on. they're there to serve only themselves they are not serving Christ. the Church of Christ is for Christ to the glory of Christ. we serve one another as brothers. we do not have a lord and master except Jesus Christ, but that is not the case in these setups by these rogues in our midst what they set up and call church is theirs their private business and that means what's about it they've got all kinds of titles for themselves CEO you know overseer and CEO or president and all that nonsense In the, what's supposed to be part of the body of Christ what's going on they give themselves the same titles as the secular businesses because that's what they are they're nothing but businesses So Jude says, They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. You know what a cloud without water is? Try that in a place, where, in a situation where we've had so much heat and so much sunshine, no rains. And all of a sudden we see a cloud forming and we think it's dark cloud and we think, Ah, there's the promise of rain. And we're all anxious right, because we need the coolness. In a in a drought Reading land, they, they're anxious and eager for the rain to come because they need water. They need a harvest. They need everything. They need the water for sustenance. They need to quench their thirst. They need a water for their harvest. And so they see this, the, the cloud rising and, and, and they get all excited. They get all excited. But at the end of the day, this cloud just gets blown away by the wind, and everything goes back to blue sky. There's no rain. That cloud was nothing, held nothing but false promises. It looked like a cloud, rain clouds, but it did not deliver rain. This is exactly how it is. These people in the on their pulpit and in their church, whatever it is, they set up and they call church, their clubs and cults. They hold promise, they tell you they know everything that you need to know about God, about salvation and all that. They wouldn't tell you the dangers of disobedience. They will not tell you about how you need to repent. They hold you promises. They tell you this is going to happen. Oh, you must have that. Oh, this belongs to you. You've got a miracle. I cannot understand ministers who keep promising people miracles. Where do you see that in the gospel? That we are to be preaching miracles and promising miracles. Miracles happen for a time. When God was attesting to the validity of his servants. Because they were introducing a new way of worship. The way of worship. They were introducing the only religion that God accepts. So they spoke. And it was imperative for the world to know that they were not just another bunch of people coming and making a lot of noise about nothing. And so God empowered them. To perform miracles and, and and want things that made people wonder and show signs that they were from God. Things that did that only God could have done that people knew. God backed up their message but they were not preaching miracles were they? They did not promise anyone miracles. These miracles were spontaneous as God alone determined. The apostles only preached the message of the gospel. They did not call people to come and watch a miraculous, spectacular show that's going to go on. That's what we have today. They did not leave the people in prayer every day saying, claim your personal miracle, you've got a miracle coming. That is not the message of the gospel. That is deception at its very best. That's what it is. That is not the message of the gospel. So people get miracles. What's that got to do with anything to do with salvation? Do people get saved because of it? No. How many people got received miracles from Christ, healings and all those, demons cast out? How many ate of the fish and, and, and the loaves in Christ's day? Did they all follow him? Were they not the same people who shouted, crucify him? Were they not all the same people who stood there and mocked at him? You saved many, now save yourself, well, as he hung on the tree at Calvary. The people who were many many were recipients of the the apostles' miracles, of healings and things. They healed very many, they cast out very many demons, but did they all follow them? Were they still not killed amongst the people who did for whom they did all those things? Miracles have never ever been a tool for evangelism. We deceive people when we tell people to come to Christ because he's going to do an amazing and astonishing thing in their lives. We're lying. When we say come to Christ because it's going to improve your finances. Come to Christ because it's going to heal your your physical sickness or ailment. Come to Christ because it's going to do a miracle. You're going to get out of all this poverty and all your suffering. Tribulations will disappear. That is a lie. That is not the message of the gospel people do not get saved that way people get saved when they come to Christ knowing they are sinners and they come and plead for forgiveness and they repent the message of, of, of miracles do not have any room for repentance it says nothing of repentance does it, it says nothing of a new ha- uh, heart it says nothing of being born again does it but yet that is the message we are supposed to be telling people we want, we want a revival How are we going to get revival? When are we telling people is to come and receive this and come and receive that phenomenon? Revival comes as a result of the message of the gospel of Christ being preached and the people sobering up and realizing what sinful wretches they are and they are headed for for hell. And they are broken. They are shown a portrait of themselves from the view of God. Stained and steeped in in, sin and filth. And of use to no one but destined for eternal destruction. And they get on their knees and plead, Lord Jesus, I accept, I admit I am a sinner. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to show me what can I do to be saved. How do I do the things of God? Because we were put here to bring glory to God. And all of us without fail... did not automatically... all of us without fail... lived a life that did not bring glory to God. It's not something we do by default. It's something we do as a result of our new birth. Because we're forgiven. We repent. And we're forgiven. And we know we're forgiven. And out of gratitude of our forgiveness... the freedom we we, 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 we feel... of burden of sin... having been lifted off of our heads... we burst out... In praise and testimony to the greatness of the mercy and love of God. That is testimony. Testimony is not when you stand and say, Oh, I received the miracle. When daddy prayed for me, and when pastor prayed for me, and when pastor put his anointing head over me, I got my immigration visa, oh, and I got pregnant, oh, and... Uh, those are not miracles. These are things that God does for humanity on a day-to-day basis anyway. What do people call Miracles. So you've been married for 15 years and you finally get pregnant after 15 years. There's nothing miraculous about it. God does open and shut wombs when he chooses. And because you want to get pregnant in the first two years of a marriage and you didn't, does not mean that you're barren, does it? People need to learn the will of God. People need to learn how to walk with God. Patience is the very first virtue that God trains his children in. Patience. And anyway, there's... not everybody is going to have everything. So you may walk all your life and never build a house. So what? Whether you build a house or not in this present world, you're going to leave it? It's not about that. Our salvation is not about obtaining material things in this world. It's not for today. But that's not the message of false teachers. They tell you all those things. They make you promises. But they're nothing. They're clouds without water. Clouds without rain. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Yes, that's another description of them that Jude gives. Peter said the same thing. Late autumn, they've got no fruit. They stand there like trees, but then they're twice dead. They're autumn trees. Autumn trees do not deliver fruit. You don't get fruit in the autumn. And that does that, not just that fact that it's autumn and they the late autumn trees, they cannot deliver fruit, but they've been uprooted. They couldn't deliver, they could not produce fruit anyway under any circumstance because they're twice dead. So you look at them and you think, oh look, it's going to produce fruit. They cannot produce fruit. They've got nothing to offer you. You're going to stay hungry as long as you, you're under the administration. You will remain hungry and thirsty because there are clouds that hold no water. They are trees, autumn tree, late autumn trees, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. There's, they've got no chance of delivering any fruit for your nourishment. So you stay hungry and thirsty under the administration. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. That's all they do. Make all the noise. Raging waves. They make all the noise, but there's nothing. All the deliverers foam, foaming up their own shame. They make all the noise. All the deliverers shameless, foolish, futile talk. Empty promises, vain talk, boastfulness, arrogance, nothing at all to bring you in the presence of God. Wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now what wandering stars are? I don't know if you've ever seen a, 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 a meteor or, or or shooting star. Is the most common name for them. They don't, st- they don't stay up. They just shoot right past. Zoop, that's it. Fleeting moment, you see a bit of a light. And that's it. They disappear they cannot hold any light for you you cannot see anything by them they cannot guide you in any way because they just appear for a second and they're gone shooting stars useless they're not like the stars that stay in the clouds and give light to the earth that's what they are jude says black as darkness is reserved for them and unfortunately in the same way it is reserved for those who follow them no one is without excuse we all have the truth it's up to you to receive the truth of God or continue to follow the foolish, futile, empty teachings of false teachers because they sound nice. I tell you today, seek the truth of Christ and stay with that alone.